Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Thank you, thank you. You may be seated. Wow. Thank you, choir and uh, orchestra singers. That was awesome. Great, great time of worship and praise this morning, and lifting up the name of Jesus on high. That's what it's all about. And I love this time of the year. This is an exciting time. Next Sunday, of course, Easter. And I was to tell you, I know you already know this, but just to kind of reemphasize that, that people will come to church next Sunday when they may not come any other time of the year. And I don't ever make fun of that or lie to that. I'm just glad they come that Sunday because that may be the Sunday that some of them get saved and their lives get changed. So you make your invitations. You think right now and all week long be inviting people to come to church. You'll never know who might just show up at your invitation because you ask them to come. Take your Bibles, if you would, to the book of John, chapter number 4. Always enjoy being here at Southcrest Baptist Church and, and uh, being with your pastor, uh, Dr. David Wilson, and it's such a great church. And I've told people all over the country about what's going on up here at Lubbock. And, of course, people know where Lubbock is after the basketball season now. I, I actually became a... Uh, a, a Texas Tech fan for a little while, and I, I really, truth of the matter is, I think most of America was pulling for the Red Raiders, but uh, this wasn't to be this time around, but it was so exciting. I'm telling you, it's one of the best basketball games I've ever watched. The only thing would have made it better if our, if our team would have, would have come out on top. But um, we drove up here yesterday, Connie and I did, and uh, what would normally be a six our drive ended up taking about an eight and eight and a half hour drive. We left Rowlett, which is on the east side of Dallas, and within 15 minutes we saw five accidents. The weather was so horrible, so bad, and wind was blowing and raining and hard. And and I got somewhere about an hour from Lubbock and uh, pulled in to get some gas. And I'm telling you, wind was blowing so strong and it was raining. It felt like ice coming uh, hit me. It wasn't ice, but it sure felt like it was cold. And But look at this this morning. Here we are in the house of God. Amen. And all, all warm. And um, uh, let me tell you, let me give you a quick update, very fast update on our uh, marine ministries. Uh, we told you about them the last time we were here. It's the most exciting opportunity that our ministry has ever, ever been afforded. And we've been uh, in a lot of great uh, places over the past 41 years, but this is the greatest opportunity ever for our ministry. We go four times a year, sometimes five, depends on how the year is laid out, to MCRD Paris Island, only one or two places you go to be an enlisted Marine, either MCRD San Diego or MCRD Paris Island. Normally it depends on which side of the Mississippi River you're from. I was born and raised in Southern Illinois, so I went to Paris Island in 1969, graduated and became a United States Marine. We go there on Sunday morning, four times a year, we have church. Uh, 
uh, for an hour and a half to two hours. Never one time have we ever been told we went too long. Never one time have I ever been told that you have to say this or you can't say this. Not one time have we ever had any restrictions put on us. We have complete liberty. It's church. We'll average a low number will be 2,000. A high number will be 4,500. Average about 33, 3,400 on Sunday. It depends on which time of the year that we're there. We have a worship team comes in from Jacksonville, Florida Church. Runs about 2,500. They give up their A team. I'm not talking about the backup singers and players. They give up their best four times a year to come and lead in worship and praise uh, for 45 to 50 minutes songs just like this church sings right here. And I want to tell you, friend, it'll put goose They don't just sing, man. They get with it. And you hear 3,000 Marine recruits singing, God's not dead. It will put goosebumps on top of your goosebumps. I get up, I give my story, and then I give a clear, concise presentation of the gospel. And then I give a public invitation for people to come to Christ. And I'm, I'm as reluctant as most people are about numbers. We've all heard that people exaggerate numbers. And I try my best not to do that. Uh, I've tried to honor God when we talk about numbers. You say, well, you think God's interested in numbers? I guess he is. He wrote a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. <laughs> and, um, but, but I know they've been exaggerated. But what I'm getting ready to give you is a low number. I promise you this is a very conservative number. There are chaplains that would tell you the number's a lot higher than what I'm about to tell you. 26 events that we've done at Paris Island, three events that we've done at San Diego, a minimum of 27,000 Marines and Marine recruits have gotten out of their seats with brokenness and conviction and come and give their hearts to Jesus Christ. It is the most amazing thing. My wife will tell you, just sit there and cry like a baby. It's just unbelievable. And they just keep coming and they just keep coming. And... Um, we, we will be back. Uh, every time we go, it's a brand new class. We'll be there in May. I believe it's May 19th. When we were there February 20th, uh, the, the ones that will be there in May, no one will have been there in Feb from the February date. All brand new every time we go. And we'll be back uh, three more times this year, five more times next year, the way the year's laid out, four more times in 21, and four more times in 22, already scheduled and on the books. And they have told me that I can keep doing them indefinitely if we want to, and we want to. Now, I told you that basically to ask you to pray. It's a big deal. I don't know anything like it going on in our military anywhere in our country today. So please, please, please pray. John chapter number four. And then... Uh, and, and just keep your Bible. So I'm going to read two verses, then we're going to go back and look at several other verses. But let me read verses 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into ever lasting life. Here in John chapter 4, and then in the preceding chapter, number 3, you have two of the most exciting presentations of people coming to Christ and finding eternal life. The stories are back to back. 
However, they are almost diametrically opposite of each other. In John chapter number 3, it is a man who comes to Jesus in the middle of the night. In John chapter number 4, it is a woman who comes to Jesus in the middle of the day. In John chapter number 3, the man was a Jew. In John chapter number 4, the woman was a Gentile. In John chapter number 3, a man who is a religious leader of his day. In John chapter 4, a woman who is an adulterous woman of her day. In John chapter number 3, a man who's learned and educated. In John chapter 4, a woman who's very unlearned and ignorant. In John chapter number 3, a man who recognizes Jesus as a teacher being sent from God. But in John chapter number 4, a woman who does not have the foggiest idea who Jesus is. Yet in both of these stories, these two people come to Christ and they both find eternal life. The story to you and I today, church, the message to you and I this morning, no matter what side of the tracks people may be from, no matter how low or how high on the ladder of success they may have attained, Jesus came to this world to seek and to save that which was lost. And our job, our responsibility is to tell this world the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want us to focus our attention for just a few moments on this woman at the well. The Bible said in verse number four that he must needs, Jesus must needs go through Samaria. Why? Why did Jesus need? We got to understand when Jesus moved in his earthly ministry, he moved with reason and purpose, not by accident or coincidence. Jesus was 100% man. He was 100% God. You say, Tim, how in the world can you explain that? I cannot explain it any more than I can tell you how a black cow can eat green grass, give white milk, turn to yellow butter. I don't know how it happens, but it does. <laughs> Jesus was God, and he knew that there would be a woman that would come to the well, and he had a message for this woman at the well. So it's about noon hour, and Jesus is sitting at the well. And here comes this woman of Samaria to the well with her water pots to draw water. And Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. He does not immediately begin to talk to her about something spiritual. He begins to talk to her about something she can relate to, something she can understand. He asks her for a drink of water. All of us, every one of us, the youngest to the oldest in this room, understands thirst. All of us have been thirsty, sometimes extremely so. I went to a roadside stand in South Vietnam, paid a little Vietnamese mama son 10 American dollars for a Pepsi-Cola. I wouldn't have paid that for Coca-Cola, but I paid it for a Pepsi-Cola. <laughs> now that I've gotten older, I found out they only make these wheelchairs so wide, and so I drink diet drinks now, and, uh, and I don't like a diet Pepsi, so I drink diet Coke, and besides that, the CEO of Coca-Cola Bottling Company gave our ministry $10,000. There's some things I can be bought off on. <laughs> but I was thirsty, so thirsty that I paid 10 bucks 
for that Pepsi. But, but ladies and gentlemen, she, he's talking to her about something she can relate to, but she's kind of taken back. She, gets, she doesn't understand what's happening. Look at verse number nine. Then, this is after he asked her for the drink, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, askest the drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And she was right. It was very customary in her day for a Jewish person to cross over on the other side of the street rather than to be caught on the same side of the street with a Gentile, especially a woman of her background. But here he is not only talking to her, He's asking her for a favor, and she's blown away by it. She's taken back. And look how our Lord responds in verse number 10. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And ladies and gentlemen and young people, for our message this morning, the key word in verse number 10 is a little word, who. He said, if you only knew who you were talking to. You see, so many times we become so enamored with the what that we forget about the who. We talk about Moses in a burning bush and how that bush could burn and yet not be consumed. And man, that was a great miracle, but not for you and I to become so enamored with a burning bush that we forget who it was that was in the bush and who it was that was speaking to Moses from the burning bush. We sing songs about the cross. They just sang sang a beautiful song about the cross, and we should sing songs about the cross, but not for you and I to become so fixed on a wooden cross that we forget who it was that was on that cross, who it was that shed his blood upon that cross, and who it was that died upon the cross. We sing songs about that grave, that empty tomb, and my soul, we should sing songs about that grave, but not for you and I to become so fixed with a geographical grave that we forget who it was that was in the grave, and who it was that got up from the grave, victorious over sin, victorious over death, victorious over hell. Ladies and gentlemen, the world has heard enough about, about the what. They need to hear about the who. And Jesus is the who. Now get the picture. She's talking to the Son of God. She's talking to Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. No outside interruptions at all. But she doesn't know who he is. Look, look at her reply. Look how she responds in, in verse number 11. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, she's, she's quite respectful. Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? She doesn't know how great of a statement she's just made. Yes, he's greater than Jacob. He's greater than Isaac. He's greater than Abraham. 
He's greater than any of the prophets that ever has lived or ever will live. He is the son of the living God. And she's talking to him without any interruptions. But she doesn't know who he is. Now, our Lord makes two of his greatest earthly statements, statements in his earthly ministry here now, back to back. We read them a while ago, and they're worth looking at again. Look at verse number 13. Here we go. But Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. True words were never spoken. Last night in Lubbock and in Odessa, in Midland and Big Spring, and El Paso and Dallas and Houston and Chicago and Philadelphia and New York City and, and, and in uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco and Seattle, all over America last night and all over the world, people were drinking from the waters of this world. But I got news for you. Tonight, they're going to be thirsty again. And tomorrow night, they're going to be thirsty again. And the next night, they're going to be thirsty again. The things of this world cannot satisfy that longing in your soul. But there is an answer. Thank God there's an answer. Look at verse 14. Here we go. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. Oh, wow. Aren't you glad God said whosoever? I'm glad God didn't say you had to be rich in order to go to heaven because most of us would have never made it. I'm glad God didn't say you had to be super intelligent in order to go to heaven because most of us would have never made it. I'm glad God didn't say you had to be great looking in order to go to heaven because a bunch of you would have never made it. <laughs> he said that if thou should confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. When Jesus died on that cross, he died for the sins of the black and the white, the red, the yellow, the rich and the poor, the educated, the ignorant, the strong and the weak. Jesus died for the sins of all. Now, you know what our Lord's been doing thus far? He's been reasoning with this woman. The Bible declares in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse number 18, Come now, let us therefore reason together, saith the Lord. Our God is a reasonable God. I think sometimes you and I are not nearly as reasonable as God. We look at people and by their lifestyle and by where they've been and what they've been doing, we look at those people and we say, man, alive, boy, if anybody would ever deserve to go to hell, that person would deserve to go to hell. And God looks at that very same person in love and mercy and grace and compassion and says that he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And if they will repent, if they will turn from their sin and turn to Jesus, they can be my child. They can live with me forever in this awesome place called heaven. Our God is a reasonable God. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think this woman is interested in what Jesus has just offered her? You better believe She's interested. He has her undivided attention. Look at what she says in verse number 15. The woman saith unto him, Sir, 
Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Give me the water. Now this is where our story takes a strange turn. He does not immediately give her the water. Look at what the Lord said to her in verse 16. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Wait, wait a minute. What does her husband have to do with her being saved? All of us who have been in church any length of time in our life, we've seen women get saved without their husbands being there. And we've seen men get saved without their wives being present. What does her husband have to do with anything? On the surface, it would appear nothing. But let's read a little bit further. Look, at, look if you would, at, at chapter number 4 and verse, and verse number 17. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly, oh my. What in the world is this about? Is this a setup? Has Jesus brought her to this place just so he can yank the rug out from underneath her? To humili humiliate her? To shame her? Is he trying to condemn this woman? No. For the Bible declares in the previous chapter, John chapter 3, verse 17, that God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But it goes on to say in verse number 18 that he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Listen to me, church. Listen to me, folks. This is not a word game. This is not semantics. This is real. You cannot get saved until you first get lost. What do you mean by that, Tim? What are you saying? You have to see yourself. I have to see myself. We all have to see ourselves the way this holy and righteous God sees us. How does he see us? He sees us as sinners. We've all sinned. Every one of us has sinned and come short of God's glory. And it is our sin that separates us from God. It is our sin that keeps us from having a right relationship with God. It is our sin that will separate us from God for all eternity, except for the fact that a price was paid for our sin when Jesus died on that cross. First comes reasoning. Then comes repentance. Repentance is what I call the forgotten doctrine of our generation. Oswald Chambers said the bedrock of Christianity is repentance. And he said, strictly speaking, a man cannot repent when he chooses. Repentance is a gift of God. Well, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And then he said this, Oswald Chambers talking about repentance. He said that old Puritans used to pray for the gift of tears. Think about that one. Our churches used to be filled with people with tears. 
brokenness. We'd hear a sermon about sin and it would break our heart. And our altars were full of people broken before God and tears hitting the floor broken. He said, he said, examine yourself. As Oswald Chambers said, examine yourself and see if you've forgotten how to be sorry. Oh, wow. When's the last time you told God you were sorry? With brokenness and tears and conviction. You see what the problem is, the reason we don't have a lot of joy in the church today is because we've lost our joy. Because we've allowed sin to come in our lives. And we're good at pointing out and finding out what's wrong with somebody else. We, everybody could have told the, the woman to well what was wrong with her. But watch out when it comes to ourselves and what's wrong in our life. First comes repentance. First comes First comes reasoning, then comes repentance. Now go back to your Bibles in chapter number five. Let me give you the good stuff. You knew I had some good stuff, didn't you? Come on, say amen. amen. Look at verse number 27. Oh, this is good. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Wow. Now this is where most theologians, scholars believe that this woman was converted. Where? At the well. At the well. You, you say, Tim, is there any evidence of her salvation? I offer you two pieces of evidence of this woman's salvation. Number one, what did she go to the well for? She took her water pot to the well to draw water. But now she's gone back to the city. She left her water pots out at the well. She's gone back to the city without her water pots. But I'll tell you one better. She took the whole well back to town with her. I'm talking about this everlasting water that Jesus said if she would drink from that well, she'd never thirst again. Let me tell you something, folks. She doesn't go back to town with her head hung low. She doesn't go back to town depressed and defeated and discouraged. This woman goes back to town with a story to tell, and she can't wait. She runs back to town. She can't wait to get back there to tell them what has happened to her at the well. Boy, that's the way it is. When you get saved, you can't wait to tell somebody. Now, if all you did was join the church, you don't have a whole, whole lot of story to tell there. And if all you did was sign a card, that's not a very big story. If all you did was get baptized, that's not too big of a story. But friend, if you got saved, you got a story to tell. If you got born again, you got a story to tell. If your life got changed by the power of God, now you can testify. And that brings us to our second piece of evidence, an even bigger piece of evidence. Go to verse number 39. Here we go. And many, look at that word again, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. <laughs> Woo. She had never been to Sunday school a day in her life. She's never been in vacation Bible school. 
She never sat in a seminary class. She never sat in preaching service at South Crest Baptist Church. But you know what's up? She's something happened to her life. Something happened so great. She goes back to town to tell him that something happened to her at the well, and they believe her. Now think about it. Think about it, people. She's lived a sorry life. She's been married five times. Guy she's living with now is not her husband. And, and everybody in town knows that. But for some reason, they believe that something has happened to this woman, and they follow her back out to the well where Jesus is at. Amen. And not only do they follow her back out there, but a whole bunch of them get saved too. <laughs> Look at that again. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. In verse 41, and many more believed because of his word. And if you'll read, Jesus had to extend his stay. Two more days, revival broke out. So many people were getting saved. So many lives are being changed. He had to change his plans and stay for two additional days. Oh, friend, this is when it gets good. When people get saved, they want other people to get saved. You get saved, you want your brother to get saved. You want your sister to get saved. You want your mama and your daddy to get saved. You want your son and your daughter to get saved. You want your coworker, your neighbor to get saved. You can't keep it for yourself. And again, if all you did was join a church, then you're not going to get that excited. But if you get saved, you're going to leave here excited. Whoo! I'm excited. So then comes rejoicing. God's people ought to be the happiest people on the face of the earth, the most rejoicing people. I see it happen normally Normally it happens in the second, not the last service. So those people, you know why they come late. They, they didn't want to get out of bed. And, uh, but they're hoping we get out of church early enough that, to beat the Methodists. <laughs> I see them, they start looking at their watch. If they don't think I saw them, they, they shake it and look at it. The invitation starts. People coming to get saved. You can see the looks on some of their faces. They're thinking, how long is this going to take, man? I mean, people are getting saved. And you're worried about what time church is going to get out. And, it, and then sometimes the pastor comes and says, I feel like we ought to sing one more verse. I feel like there's one more that needs to come. Oh, woe be the person steps out and comes on that verse. <laughs> Why didn't he come when all the others were coming? <laughs> it's going to take seven or eight minutes. Somebody show him how to get saved. Be my luck. He's going to want to get baptized today. And now the pen are going to beat me to this cafeteria. <laughs> well, if people were getting saved at, at 2.30 in the afternoon, oh, folks, people are getting saved. Food ought to be the last thing on our heart and our mind. Amen. First comes reason, then comes repentance, then comes rejoicing. Some of you need your joy back. You used to get excited about people getting saved. You used to get excited about people getting right with God. You weren't concerned about time. You just wanted to see what God was going to do next. You were so happy about it. And today you need your joy back. You're here today and you've never been saved. Your life has never been changed by the power of God. This could be the greatest day of your whole life. Jesus died for you and he rose from the grave for you. And if you will say yes to Jesus today, you can leave here with a story to tell. Would you bow your heads this morning?
I'm going to ask that no one leave the building, no one disturb anyone unless it's an emergency. No counselors, no personal workers, no pastors, just the ones that are going to come and sing and play. And they're coming very quietly and very reverently. Just draw an imaginary circle around yourself, you and me and God, for a moment. Let me ask you something. Be honest with yourself. Don't raise your hand just because someone else raises theirs. How many in this room today would say, Tim, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I were to die in the next four minutes in this seat where, I was at, where I'm at, I know I would go to heaven. I remember the day when I repented of my sins, received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and I got saved. And Tim, I have something to testify about. I'm saved, and I'm not ashamed of it. No one looking, let me see your hands, as a way of testimony. What a sight. What a sight. You can take them down. Hands raised everywhere. There were some who could not raise your hand. I appreciate you being honest. You could have put your hand up, but you didn't do it. And in a moment, I want you to let me pray for you. But before I do that, how many of those of you that raised your hand would say, Tim, I know I'm saved, but the truth of the matter is I don't have the joy like I used to have. I, I, I've, I've lost my joy, Tim. I'm, I'm not as excited about things of God like I ought to be. And there's things in my life that are not right with God. There's things I need to get settled with the Lord. Tim, pray for me today that I could have these things right between me and God. Let me see your hands. Hold them high. Hold them high. There are scores and scores of hands. You can take them down. In a moment, we're going to sing one verse of invitation. That is all. One verse. I'm going to ask every single last one of you that raised your hand, if you were serious and you were not playing church, to leave your seat, not now, but when we sing, to leave your seat and go to the nearest aisle. I'm going to ask you to come as quickly as you can. Be careful coming down the steps, but come as quickly as you can. And I want you to come all the way into the middle, right here to the front and facing me. We're going to pray together today. God is going to do something in your life. Afraid to come to yourself? Ask someone to come with you. Someone in the rows in your way, nudge them. They'll move over. They may be wanting to come. How many would say today, Tim, I've been saved, but I've not been baptized since I was saved. And I know I need to be baptized. Let me see your hand today. Hold it up high. Tim, I know I need to be baptized. Let me see your hand. Just put them up and then take them down. Folks, let's make this a day of decision. Let's make this a day of commitment. How many would say, Tim, I'm not a member of South Crest, but I'm looking for a church home. I'm looking for a place to call family. Maybe you represent your whole family or just you as an individual. And you'd say, Tim, pray for me about this important commitment of church membership, the way this church accepts members. Let me see your hands today. Would you hold them up high? Wow. Wow, there's several hands went up. You can take them down. Folks, this is a great church, a pastor and a people that love God, will love you. If I lived in Lubbock, Texas, Connie and I would be members of this church right here. I don't say that everywhere I go. I say it very, very seldom. And I, I mean what I'm saying. It's a great pastor and a people. Let's make this a day of decision. You come and stand here, and I'll help you to do that in just a moment. Now, right before we sing, the most important question, where will you spend eternity how many in this room today, being honest with yourself, with God, with this evangelist, would say, Tim, the truth of the matter is, I'm not 100% for sure that if I died right now that I would go to heaven. And I certainly don't want to go to hell. And Tim, I want you to include me in that prayer, no one looking but me and God. 
Tim, I want you to include me in that prayer. Let me see your hands right now all over this building, all over this room. You and you and you and you and you and you and you in the balcony in the upper parts and you and you. You can take them down and you, sir. Wow. Numbers of hands raised. Folks, this is your day. This is your invitation. Christians, I want you to set the example. I want you to be the first out of your row. If you'll come, it'll help these lost people to come to Christ. Remember, we're only singing one verse. So I'm asking you to come quickly and do today what you'll never, ever be sorry that you did. I'll be praying for you as you come. Would you stand to your feet all over the building? Everyone standing that's able to stand. My brother begins to sing. You begin to come. Come quickly right now. If you were serious, come on right now. That's it. Come on. Just come and stand if you would, folks. Just come and stand. There won't be room for everyone to build. If you would, come on, folks. Come quickly. If you were serious, this is your invitation. This is your time right now. Sing it, brother. Sing it out. Numbers and numbers of others are coming. Come on right now. They're coming from the top. They're coming from the sides. God spoke in your heart. Come on. Remember, we're only singing one verse. This is it. heads are bowed. She plays quietly. Those of you that are at the front and those of you that wanted to come but you didn't, listen very, very carefully. There are two vital parts of this invitation and we're going to deal with the absolute most important part first. If you have never been saved, if your life has never ever been changed by the power of God, in a moment I'm going to pray out loud what we oftentimes refer to as a sinner's prayer. And if you want to be saved today, here at the front or there in your seat, and you're serious, you're not playing games with God, you're serious, then when I pray this prayer out loud, I want you to pray it in your heart. Understand that the prayer itself doesn't save you. It's not repeating religious words. But you're coming to this place in your life to confess that you're a sinner. And knowing that you cannot save yourself, you're turning to that one who died for you on that cross and who got up in that grave three days later, Jesus Christ. So would you pray this prayer? It doesn't have to be these exact words, but something like this. And mean it with your whole heart right now. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sins can separate me from you forever. But today, I want to be saved. God, please forgive me of all my sin. Wash me as white as snow. Make me your child. Right now, this very moment, I am trusting Jesus Christ and Him alone as my Lord and my Savior. Take me to heaven when I die. For I am now your child. Our heads are still bowed. No one looking but myself, the pastors, and the Lord. If you just now prayed that prayer in your heart, here at the front or in your seat,
Tim, when you prayed that prayer out loud, I prayed that prayer in my heart, and I meant it with my whole heart as best I knew how. Let me see your hands. Hold them up high. If you prayed with me today, hold them up high. Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Don't take them down. Keep them up. There's one. There's two. There's three. There's four. There's five. There's six. There's seven. There's eight. There's nine. There's 10. Keep them up high. There's 11. Keep them up high. Don't take them down. There's 12. There's 13. There's 14. There's 15. There's 16. There's 17. Keep them up high. There's 18. There's 19. Keep them up for just one more moment. Please don't take them down for just one more moment. Wow. You can take them down. At least 20 that I can see. There may have been more because of some of the dark areas. But church, if you're rejoicing, at least 20 this morning who said yes to Jesus, would you give them a big hand and tell them you're happy for them today? <laughs> I don't want anybody else to look. Just those 20. No one else, please. Just those 20. Look right up here at me. Right over here, back here, some in the balcony, back over here, here, right back over here, over here, right back over here, several adult men. I can't keep looking at you, but I want you to keep looking at me. That's the most important prayer you'll ever pray in your life. April the 14th, listen to this, at uh, 1035, remember that, 1035. At April the 14th, you said yes to Jesus. This is your story. This is your testimony. You get to leave this building today and go tell your family and your friends that you met Jesus this morning at 1035 South Crest Baptist Church. Here's what I want you to do. All 20 of you, I want you to write your name, your address, your phone number on a piece of paper, and then write one word bigger than all those words. Write the word saved, S-A-V-E-D. And when we're through here in a moment, I'm going to go out to the main entry area. I want all 20 of you to bring that piece of paper to me. I want to shake your hand. I want to hug your neck and rejoice with you. You say, Tim, is this important? It's vital. Why? This is how we know who you are, to pray for you, to encourage you, to help you get started in your Christian life. You can bow your heads back down. There were so many today who said, well, I know I'm saved, but I've lost my joy. There's things I need to get right with God. And today is your day. We're going to pray together. I'm going to pray out loud. You're going to pray in your heart. God says if we confess, he will forgive. Isn't that a great deal? Father, thank you for speaking to hearts. Thank you for at least 10 today who said yes, or 20 today, who said yes to Jesus. Their life will never, ever be the same. Lord, I pray today that we'll be an encouragement and a blessing to them. And then, Lord, for many today who said, I just need to get my heart and my life right with God, to leave here with joy, leave here with victory, and leave here with a revival fire burning in their heart and in their life. I pray, Lord, you start that fire right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, thank you for what you've done and the victories that's been won. In Jesus' name, give these folks a big hand. Let them get back to their seat this morning. Let's give the Lord a big hand in the house of God here today. Woo. You can be seated. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. 
You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.